When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the internationally beloved podcast In Bed with Nick and Megan starring the kingly Nick Offerman. Good evening. And his poor put upon wife Megan Mullally. <laughs> poor woman. <laughs> and today featuring extra super special guest star goddess-like figure Rashida Jones. What's up? Rashida oh. Jones. Hi, Hello. Rashida. Welcome. Hi, Megan. Hi, Nick. Hi. Oh, it's so nice, nice to hear to you guys. You always. And nice to see you. Yeah. So, how are you? Uh, how are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. I'm. I feel very uh, lucky, and it's a surreal time. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I'm. I'm shocked at how adaptable. Um, people I know have been and I've been and yeah you know I mean I not not everybody's so lucky that they can do that but um but yeah we I'm I'm adapting I'm adapting to good. the new world good yeah I guess we do too <laughs> I mean this is nice it's been nice to do podcasts because it's like a social life sort of mm-hmm. yeah you know, totally it's as close as we could get right now Ske- scheduled friendship Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Play dates. So uh, now I know that you guys have a lot to talk about because you work together on one certain television program that I like to call Cheers. No, Parks and Recreation. Yes, the one I people might know it as the TV show with Star Lord on it. <laughs> Star Lord. Who's Star Lord? Star Lord is is uh, <laughs> Peter Quince, who Pratt plays in Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> oh, oh my God! We just we just Venn diagrammed like the two people who don't know what that is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so yeah, that I loved you on that show, Rashida, because you know you're you're so good at playing comedy but keeping keeping it so real you know not a lot of people can do that thank you i i i I appreciate that framing of it because i you know i've spent almost my whole career being like the straight guy which is super fun because it's allowed me to be around the funniest people in the world (laughs) um and it's not like you know Listen, everybody needs a straight guy. It's, a, it's an important counterbalance for comedy. But I like I like that framing of it, Megan. I yeah, like no, the, I think you're so funny, though. And thank you. you are very funny. I mean, you're funny, you know, as 
a person in real life also, but I think you're so f- good at that. I, I, I guess I envy that because I always play these characters that could not possibly be more over the top, you know? So I like, I envy you. I think it, this feels like a real setup for a freaky Friday moment. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-uh, we just switched bodies. You guys, it's happened. This is Rashida speaking. <laughs> oh, oh, I love gosh. my new hair. Wow. <laughs> Speaking of hair, I'm going to I'm going to like quarantine. I'm going to give myself a quarantine haircut. Quarantine cut. Do you know how to cut your own hair? I used to cut my own hair all the time. I cut my own hair for 3 straight years at one point and it was short, wow. which is hard. But it's just long and straight across right now, so I'm going to cut about 3 or 4 inches off of it and just And you're just going to go cares? straight like completely yeah, straight? Yeah, cuz that's what it is right now. Yeah. So, you might need Nick for the back. I know. I'm, I'm going to. He doesn't I'll know that yet. Yeah, he doesn't. I haven't I formally asked him yet. But You're also there. nicely shorn, Nicholas. Like that That feels like a a nice a nice um, high and tight situation over Thank there. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, what's it, the future? Of it's this actually, um, yeah, Megan, uh, my, my, my facial hair and my haircut are usually steered by whatever acting job I have currently or coming up. And uh, at the moment, I don't have one. And so Megan's favorite thing is clean shaven. For some reason, she doesn't prefer a thistle bush rubbing against her face. <laughs> don't understand why. Areas. Yeah. <laughs> and also, she um, likes me with a very short haircut because she, quote, likes to see my head shape. And apparently, <laughs> well, he's got he's got a gigantic head, and so when it's short, it's just kind of a nice head shape that uh, is within the realm of possibility to still be a head. But when he gets a lot of hair, because he's also got a lot of hair and it's right. you know, thick, then his head just becomes it's just gargantuan. It's melon like yeah. gargantuan. Yeah. Did you really have sex with melons when you were a kid? No. Okay. Wait, you what? didn't really do that? I never did. He's no. always talking about. Well, no, it's you know, a bit like, that I developed. It's so I gross. Can, I, I can very specifically. I'm sorry, Rashida. <laughs> much no, I'm so happy to be in bed. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, there's there's a passage in uh, a Cormac McCarthy novel, probably his one of his lesser known ones called Suchery, which is really good. And I, if anybody wants to make it into a film, please call me. And there's this character named Gene Harrogate, who's this like rat boy, homeless kid who lives down under the viaduct by the river in Kansas City. And and we are introduced to this character through one of the most beautifully rendered lovemaking scenes that you only figure out a little <laughs> later that it, it was him fucking a melon. It was him like you hear his this click of his knife opening and then he describes the sex scene completely through the sound of a distant freight train coming chugging and like climaxing and tooting its horn and then receding, mm. fading and beating into the distance. And, once, wow. and then when it lands, you're like, wait a second. You go back and read it again. And you're like, man, Cormac McCarthy. You son of a bitch. Wow. <laughs> so sorry that's that's got a little bit of peach. Call me by your name, Peach Energy. Did you see that movie, Call Me by Your Name? Uh, oh yes, yeah. oh yes. Call me by your name. Where yeah. the peach? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just it's a just a, fruit fruit play. I think we could call that. 
is yeah, is a, it's a much more convenient and <laughs> <Okay>. accessible. <laughs> Me, yeah, melon really, sounds hard. <laughs> we've exhausted a lot of the possibilities okay. here, and I, I, I could go would on. Like to move There's on. a whole other. So <laughs> Megan wants us to move on. But well, yeah, I brought it up, let's, so let's I don't know. I I'm an instigator, and then I'm a shutter downerer. Um, So one of the things that I definitely want to talk to you about, Rashida, before we get into more melon reminiscences is, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of your documentaries, your documentary series that you made, Hot Girls Wanted. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember you told me you watched that. You were mm -hmm. one of the few people who watched that. (laughs) I love that. So it's very, it's so important, you know, and I just, I admire you so much for um, working on a variety of projects and some of which, like, like the Hot Girls Wanted series, are really important and can help to bring about change. Um. So can can you just tell me a little bit about how that all got, you know, how you got enlisted or I don't know if that was your idea or. Yeah, I met. So I met these filmmakers, uh, Jill Bauer and Rana Gratis. I met them, oh, I guess, like a decade ago at a, at a conference in New York, the Women in the World Conference. And I had been just as a person really interested in the dynamic for young women, especially of sexuality versus sexualization mm-hmm. and how that was, how that was culturally being taught um, through music, media, all that stuff. Um, and it, my interests kind of converged with like also this, the rise of like third wave feminism, which is like, you know, body positivity and like, anything goes, which is so awesome. But it's like this, there's this weird nuanced thing. That's like, what does like real agency look like? What is like a woman who is making a real conscious choice for consent? What does that look like? Mm-hmm. You know? And so I had met them. I had written a couple things about that and they were making a movie. They had made this movie called sexy baby, which is really interesting. And it's about, kind of coming of age in the, in the digital age. Like they follow a 13 year old who's like, has like a cool DA mom and lives in New York and is like very liberal and smart. Her kind of like reckoning with her own puberty and being online and like wanting to post sexy pictures and what her mom does about that. And then a woman in her twenties who is a kindergarten teacher who wants labial reconstructive surgery because every guy she's been with has told her that she's weird because of whatever they've seen in porn. And oh, then wow. a 30 something year old um, ex uh, porn performer who is making a living as a stripper. So it's just kind of like this really cool, like slice of humanity from these different decades. Um, and I just, I loved it so much. And they, they had told me they were working on this film. Hot girls wanted it. They'd done some filming of young women in Miami who wanted to break into amateur porn, which is a, for those who don't know, it's just like a genre. It's not really amateur. It's like it's the same thing that everybody else does. It's just made to look like it's kind of new girls who've never done it before. Um, and I and I was very interested. And they showed me their footage and you know asked if I could come on as producer. And it was a very quick learning experience for me because I had never produced a documentary before. I had never worked in that. I mean, that's it's a very heavy, serious, complicated subject. You mm-hmm. know. 
and getting to know the girls who were in the film was hugely educational for me because they're complex, smart, um, they're just really full people. So I got to know these women a little bit, the women that were in our film um, and their stories. And really they come into this because there's there's all these indicators that they're going to have this like fantastic life. They're going to go to Miami and like party and have fun and have money mm-hmm. and agency and autonomy and like you know they live in this kind of house that's like a sorority house and they have like friends and community and the truth is it's it's hard work you know it mm-hmm. is it's it's hard on your body it's hard on your head it's hard on your heart and it's not for everybody um and you know i think there's so much to be said on the subject matter but i you know i I really relate as an actress. I think there's there's a lot that you haven't we have in common, mm-hmm. and it's mm, it's hard to know what what you want and what's what's really from choice and what's from pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I you know I'm I, it's it's complicated because I think I probably won't do anything more in this sphere because it's a very it's a very insular world. And because I came at it, yes, I came at it from personal interest and maybe, maybe a little bit in an academic way and got to know people and felt like we painted these pictures of like full people, like the people that we knew and, and, and came to, to really care about. But, you know, there was a lot of people within the industry who didn't like our representation. They didn't like just our, our presence in, in their Hmm. world. And didn't feel like we had a right to talk about it because we have never worked in that industry before. Oh, yeah. So that's really okay. I and it, I can't even really wrap my head around that because I don't know anything about it. And and you you now do know quite a bit about it. But what was it about the way things were represented that people in the industry, or is it is that too complicated of a question or an answer? Um. Oh, it's so complicated. It's such a complicated business. But I think. I think, well, well, the first, first and foremost, very legitimately, it's a marginalized profession. Mm -hmm. Sex work is a marginalized profession. So any negative attention brought to people who already are struggling to find their way in the world doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. So uh, that part I completely understand and, and, and I get, and, and I, you know, my intention, especially with the series, our intention, Joe and Ron and I, we wanted to paint a much bigger, broader picture of the industry. Like, you know, there's, and not even just the industry, tech and sex and relationship. Like the series, you know, we talk about dating online. We talk about apps. We talk about camming and cam girls. We talk about interracial porn. We talk about uh, feminist porn. Like we, we broadened the whole thing for that purpose because we told one story in Hot Girls Wanted, the story of these young girls who moved to Miami and try to enter amateur porn. And the upshot is like, it's very difficult to survive because after six months, everybody's seen your face and you can no longer seem like an amateur. They won't cast you. So you have to kind of make decisions about your next steps in the industry. And like, if you're given the choices, some of the choices may not be things you want to do. So that's its own story. And then the series was way more about just kind of how we interact with each other and our sexuality online and with the tools of, of tech, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so I think, I think the first part is that 
it's it's so reasonable for people who feel marginalized to feel further marginalized by having a bright shining light on their industry and not feel understood. But the second part of it is also that just having talked to some people that I know in the industry is that they feel like they can't do any, they can't say anything critical of their own industry or they will be pushed out. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I'm, hmm. I'm happy to say lots of things about my industry. I have yeah. a lot of problems with it <laughs> and I would be happy to watch any documentary on it. And I would be interested to see what somebody from the outside thinks about it looking in, you know, yeah. like I, that would be interesting to me, but, but then again, I, you know, it's, it's not marginalized work. So, you know, I, I think I, I think I sort of like boldly went, went off on this journey and, and, and had a very steep learning curve in terms of what was possible. Well, look, I mean, that is really, it's very complex and, you know, it's so hard to know anymore, really, with almost anything, like how you might possibly be deeply offending certain people. However, having said all of that, having established that, I think that those, I think Hot Girls Wanted and Hot Girls Wanted Turned On are very important, and that as many people as possible who are not in any way familiar with those worlds should watch them because it, at the very least, I think they're, well, I, I think there's no, at the very least, I think that they're important. So, you know, and, and there are people who are always going to take exception to, especially in marginalized professions, communities. Um, but you know, it's, 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 they're really, really beautifully done. Thank you. Thanks. And, you know, listen, I hope that I hope that there's more stories to be told from inside, from outside about that entire industry, because it's a very important industry. It is a hugely consumed, um, very influential industry that we refuse to talk about. And that was really my intention was just to be like, hey, guys, everybody's using porn. Like, can we, t- can we just start a conversation about it? Like, yeah. let's just start talking about it. You yeah. Know? Well, you know, I, I don't watch porn or I, I mean, I have watched porn, but not for a long time. And I didn't realize how violent a lot of porn is now. And I don't know how to talk about that. So I should probably just shut up. But it, it I was pretty, um, I don't shock easily, but I was like, oh, is she going to die now or what? Yeah. It's, um. It is, there's a statistic in the film that for, and that was at the time, but you know, I'm, I'm, it's probably changed, but 40% of porn is violent against women, which that's everything that ranges from like real violence to like a slap on the butt or whatever. But it's, to me, I, I'm like, adults can do whatever they want. They can enjoy whatever they want, but it's unfortunately become a tool of sex education because there's such bad sex education mm-hmm. in the United States. Like- half the kids in the United States have less than two days of sex ed. So they look to the easiest way to see like, what's going on? Like, how, what am I supposed to be doing? Right. And because of it, like we did these studies with K- the Kinsey Institute at uh, in Indiana university. And they like, the findings are like, there's so much choking and teen sex. There's so many things that like, I think parents would be shocked to know is happening because, um, 
because kids are have this direct line to this thing that they don't really have any control over. Even if you have a filter, like there's a kid down the street whose parent probably doesn't have a filter, mm-hmm. you know. And and wasn't there some kind of um, movement afoot within the last you know five years or so to sort of reeducate kids about um, or kind of give them options of how you could have sex. That's not just full on jackhammering twenty four seven, you know. Because who who was doing that? Well, I, I <laughs> who was that's jackhammering? cool. No, they're all jackhammering. Yeah, who's, all who's trying to make them not jackhammering? Well, I I read something about that about oh, like three years ago that there was some program that trying to educate kids about how you know you don't really have to do that, and maybe girls don't like that, or maybe boys don't like this, and. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I hope that it, that's really a thing that's I feel still like happening. G- given the context, it's you know dro- I'll drop in a PSA like if in case you're listening to this and and um, because I've suffered from this as a kid, like when I was learning about sex, I w- what I later learned was I wish I had the wherewithal to just talk to my Your prospective partner. partners and yeah. say. Do you want to like? Do you like this? Do you not like this? Instead of fearing what what I had been taught by society, which was that I had to somehow be, you know, a player and a dog, and like, and even even partners that I would be with would say like, "Don't talk, you'll ruin it." Like, why don't you just take me like an animal kind of stuff? Where I'd be like, "Well, I, I you know, I'm, I, I'm having." <laughs> You're so not the type to take someone feelings, like an animal. But I also care about you. <laughs> And like, don't right. I don't feel like it. I should just like bite down on your neck or something. Like, but that's and that's what your that partners me wanted. That. <laughs> that was me. He's talking it was about all, me. It Megan. Was, Honey, it, you can just say it was Megan. That's fine. And, I, and my and my live action role playing name is Jack Hammer. So it's we're, this is just kind of a therapy session. But no, the, he's the, legally the, changing. But for real, the PSA to the listeners is like, don't porn is not a, a how to for the actual art of making love and instead talk to your your partners about it and and like find out what people actually like from I, I always feel like it would be so much better if it seemed like the people were actually really doing it i mean i know they're really doing it wait i know how it works the way they would want to do it if they were actually really like doing it like real people do it it would be so much well there is a lot of porn like that there's a lot of great kind of artful porn that feel that where people you could tell that people are enjoying themselves like one of the episodes the episode that i directed about erica lust who's the She's a director. She's Swedish. Mm. She lives in Spain. And she makes, like, she has a subscription-based site, and she makes erotica. And, you know, we spent time with her, and the woman who was in her film had never done porn before. She'd always been kind of interested in it. And it was hard work, but she was, like, very happy that she did it because she got to see that it was, like, hard at times in a way that wasn't sexy. And then also, like, there were things about it that turned her on. So... Yeah, it would be nice to watch people enjoy things. But, you know, I mean, we're actors. Like, the, a lot of times we're acting for whether it's love scenes or fight scenes or whatever. Like, there's a leap. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's you can fill it in with reality. But, like, there's a bit of a leap. It's fantasy. And that's the same with porn yeah. is that there's going to be some fantasy involved, you know.
Yeah, so just kind of scooching over to um, our world of acting. Um, well, we could talk about acting for a little bit. I mean, I'll, I'll just say this. Like, I think, you know, it's a rare thing to have a job that is, you know, it's many, many hours during of the day at, where you're sort of like, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty intensive, but, and I'm not just saying this cause Nick is present, but the job that we shared parks and recreation, there was something so energizing and moralizing about the vibe on our set mm. and the, yeah. and the, the it ensemble. Special. Yeah. It was special. Mm-hmm. Like I so look forward to going to work every day. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't wait. Yeah. I couldn't wait. Yeah. So yeah. Fun. I, I, I envy that, you know, I think that that's so cool. And it was every time I was ever on your set, I felt the same way. And I was like, this is the best. And, you know, you guys had such a great cast, but everybody, I mean, everybody from Mike Sure on down, like you, you know, yeah, the leadership show was, was fantastic. Was yeah. Yeah. And, and, Mike and it starts, you know, Morgan. it starts from that. Mm-hmm, Mike really and does. Amy and Mike and Amy. Yeah. And I haven't really had that. So, you know, that is an easy breezy kind of, mm-hmm. you know, ideal way to make a living. If you can get into a situation like that. It's just so you just don't know how to, it's hard to find, like, it's hard to figure out how to get there. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think you can actually do anything to get there Mm-mm. in a weird way. You know, no, I feel like I just got lucky. It's fate. Yeah. It's- I just, this is, uh, This I'm really enjoying this conversation (laughs) and it's bringing up lots of memories for me. Um, And but what I totally forgot uh, um, until just now was that I initially auditioned for a different part. Oh yeah, and we went on tape, (laughs) and we had a blast. Rashida's Rashida's, uh, love interest, right? Yeah, Yeah. like eventually to end up with Rashida. And NBC was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> You're suggesting that Rashida Jones would be interested in Nick Offerman. And literally the quote no. was that they said to Mike and Greg, you told me Aaron Eckhart and you hand me Nick Offerman. No, no. Get out no, of my office. No. They just no. knew that you could, you could be your best you if they created a part around yeah. you. Well, there's no need to over-egg the pudding, but that, uh, that <laughs> well, I, then, I'm flattered even to, you know, even to be considered for a that's moment. That's weird to think, though. And then Chris Pratt ended up being, fulfilling that. Function. No, that was a different part. No, oh, no it was that just was, the Mark Brandanowitz. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When, right, right. When I oh, read right. for it, yeah. his name was Paul Josh. Schneider. Josh, right? Oh my God, Josh! And it and it became it like went through some iterations because since I because ruined it, they were like, "No, okay, you didn't ruin it." Let's no. let's make it a whole new thing and make it Mark Brandanowitz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I know. I actually I read with you and I read with Adam Scott. Right. Um, which 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 bummed me out so hard because like I had known Adam. We both have known him for a long time, so you know. When you go to but an audition, you don't want Adam Scott walking in. If you're, you know, you're like, oh, great. <laughs> the, and then we the, all got to work together, which is even crazier. It is. It's so crazy. Yeah. The, the the craziest thing, too, is I don't, I don't know if you guys know the story, but it was, so Amy, so Mike and I have been friends for years, right? We went to college together. 
I want to dig into that in a minute, but go ahead. Okay. So we, so, and, and then we worked together on the office for a year and, um, and I had been friends with Amy for a while and, um, and we, I was on hold for this sure Daniels project and, um, they didn't know what it was. They didn't know if they were going to use me. They just like paid me to hold me for six months. Amy and I went to Rome together because Will Arnett and my mom were doing a movie together and Amy was super pregnant, went to Rome together. Um, so, so fun. Went back to New York day after we got back. She was like, we got to have lunch. She took me to lunch. She was like, I just have to tell you that Mike offered me that show. Like I was fully full crying because we both assumed she got offered the part that I was on hold for. Right. And Mike was on a plane and I was like texting him like, what is going you on? This and then when he got off the plane, he's like, no, 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 that's a different, we changed the boss. The boss was a woman and it's Amy. And then I went from, you know, being so upset to being like, oh my God, wait, we might actually be like working together. That that's is a crazy, crazy wow. moment that I never heard about. I know. That it was is, really intense. Oh my really God. Intense. And Amy that. was so sweet and we were at Pastis in the West Village and she grabbed my hand and I was crying and she was so supportive because we both thought it was like, you know, Oh my God. Over. So <laughs> many tears around the creation of that show. Yeah. So many tears. I had such a sobbing fest when I finally got it after a long, arduous, mm. torturous audition process over five months. Mm-hmm. Finally, Mike called me to tell me that I got the job. And I, I just said, all right, listen, let, I want, let's keep talking, but I'm going to just openly sob for about <laughs> 20 minutes. I, oh, hot, God. wet tears. Oh, I, my I, God. I ruined a large portion of our oak kitchen floor. <laughs> but listen, I, wa- I want to dig into this, something that um, I always was fascinated with and never got to talk to you much about. I love secret societies and I grew up in Illinois and like, it was a big deal that I even got to go to a state school, university of Illinois. And so like the thought of going to Chicago, let alone New York or, or uh, these other places that I'd only read about like Harvard, for example, or, or Boston and, um, or Cambridge, excuse me. And, so, so eventually when, that I've become to be friends and like work with people who went to Harvard, it's just such a, you literally might as well have gone to Hogwarts. <laughs> and so getting to be friends with Greg Daniels, with Conan over the years, um, and then this it, learning about this comedy pipeline that's crazy that just off the top of my head, Greg Daniels and Conan were roommates at Harvard uh, Al Franken is thrown into the mix, and it's it's this SNL pipeline mm. where one of the choices, if you're like one of the smartest, funniest people in the world, I guess one of your choices is like, oh, I would love to write TV shows. So I'm sure I'm missing a ton of people, but it jumps to your era, which is you and Mike Schur and Dan Gore, who was our story editor, but created and and now has run. Brooklyn Nine Nine for its whole life. Mm-hmm. You guys, Charlie Grandy, and, and was Do you know Grandy? I Charlie know, Grandy. I've met him. Yeah, and and was, Matt Murray. Matt Murray was there, and mm-hmm. was Yang there? Yang's younger than me, but he came behind. Oh, 
But yeah. Ellen, Ellen Yang, Megan Amram. Nick Stoller. Nick Stoller. I mean, mm-hmm. so you guys were in, you were doing acting stuff together. Like, were you, weren't you in some kind of company or sketch group or something? Um, some of Dan, Dan was in a, uh, improv group called on the nice. Uh, there was all these like little, you know, it's like extracurriculars in school. Mike and I were in Mike and Dan and I, and I don't know if Stoller acted. I don't know. Um, but, but we were in like the Harvard Radcliffe dramatic club. I'm sure Megan was too. Megan Amram, mm-hmm. Megan and I, were both at separate times in the Hasty Pudding Theatricals, which is, you know, like the drag show, the oldest organization, theatrical organization in the country. Right. She wrote the the script her year. And I think she was, the she might've been the first female team to ever to write the script. And I was the first, we were the first female team to write the music ever in like 160 years of history. Like Crazy. Hmm. Because it was an all-male review until last year. <laughs> last year. Oh Too my crazy. God. Not, not okay. Hi. But anyway. It's full-on um, kabuki. It's, yeah. No girls yeah. allowed. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, everybody kind of like overlapped a little bit. But Mike and I met freshman year. We did a play together called Love, Sex, and the IRS, which was a farce, where he played my boyfriend. The show opened on us making out on a couch. <laughs> And he has to dress as a woman, full threes company style, to for the landlord not to be mad that like he's living with me or whatever. (laughs) Um, Classic. And then Dan Gore and I were in the female odd couple together. He played my Spanish boyfriend, female odd couple. (laughs) Sophomore year. That is amazing. Yeah, cool. It's so wild. But they they're they were also in the Lampoon, which you know is so famously like the beginning of the pipeline for every you know, comedy writer. I was not in the Lampoon. One of my favorite. I'm fine with that. Uh, <laughs> all right. I mean, you can only do so much. You have to have balance in your life as a student. But one, one of my favorite tidbits from, from my fascination with this secret society is Conan. When Conan was there, he was the head of the Lampoon. Mm-hmm. And then the, um, th- then there's sort of like the square student newspaper or something does it have the, the crimson? crimson yeah yeah so the crimson at the same time was run by jeff zucker and oh, right oh and, my god oh the showdown crazy. and conan <laughs> here's the crazy thing conan like like would constantly emasculate him and like just pants him in front of the world you know they would set him up for these crazy pranks and zucker would always take the bait you know, and Conan would pull the football away from Charlie Brown. And then <laughs> Zucker went on to be the head of NBC when all that Jay Leno stuff went down. Wow. So Zucker, like, got got to give Conan his evil comeuppance as, like, the villain in the Conan story. Oh, this God. is this is, goes back to my theory. It's, it's not exact, but high school never ends. It never ends, mm. yeah. It never ends. <laughs> It's the I mean, same yeah. dynamics, always mm, crazy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think like, I, I'm sure there's stories like that from our year, but I, I have to say like having such a like tight knit community of people who work in the same industry that like I've known since I was 17 is it's awesome. Like I, I, there's no, that's the best thing about having gone there is that I got to meet all those 
people so early and like they're still my friends you know mm. we can it, work together it's so it's cool. great yeah i mean you can it's uh you can't deny the humanity when you know when you've seen you know literally gone through so much of life with these people and mm-hmm. now you know you guys are all these accomplished artists uh, in in so many ways but you know that you can i mean I was so grateful when I met you and started working with you because uh, I, we were big fans of yours from the office and uh, and you present with such humanity of like, hey man, like everything is super casual. Um, so don't let's not get sweaty about anything. And it, no, and so like whenever now we're at a function, we're always I'm especially so happy to see you. Because you're also Hollywood royalty, like you're showbiz royalty. And so you always know, like you're over it. So you're like, <laughs> so, we, so we can find you and be like, Rashida, like what's the lowdown? And you're like, oh, this is not a big deal. Um, if, you, like, if, you want to, like, if you want drugs, they probably go around behind that cabana. Otherwise, usually the shrimp thing is good. Anyway. Literally, right? if, if all that comes out of today is that I know where to get seafood and drugs, <laughs> I'm cool with that. That's my tombstone right there. there You're is. our go-to. You know? <laughs> so speaking of Hollywood royalty, um, also in case anybody hasn't seen the incredible documentary you made about your dad, Quincy, Quincy Jones, and the documentary is called Quincy. It's so good. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Thank you. What was that like? That must have been that's Intense. crazy, right? Intense. To like yeah. make a documentary about your father. and All the feelings legend. all the time. Uh. Like just, just love, heartbreaking and love and then sheer annoyance that you have with your parent and then just exhaustion <laughs> and and like you know and then then all the things that you feel when you're making a movie which is like this sucks and it's never going to be any good and then oh wait i think i got it and then like wait maybe i don't have it and then i think i got it and the, just the chipping away um at at the story mm. but thank god i mean al hicks who directed it with me is like an angel on earth and so talented he made a movie called keep on keep it on have you seen mm-hmm. that movie mm-hmm. oh you guys if you yeah, want to cry more tears on your oak floors it is <laughs> okay. So great. It's about Clark Terry, who was my dad's mentor and Miles Davis's mentor. Oh, wow. And and his last mentee is this kid, Justin Coughlin, who's incredible pianist, blind um, kid. And um, it's about both of their journeys, their friendship, their, their kind of like mentor-mentee relationship, and then their own personal journeys with jazz. It's so beautiful. And I, I met Al, like... Mm. The first day I ever picked up a 5D camera, I'd never used it before. I was in Switzerland at the Montreux Jazz Festival, and I was like, I'm going to make this movie about my dad, and just like started filming really bad, blurry, wobbly footage, <laughs> and met Al, who was shooting the last day of his movie, and um, he was like, do you want me to help you with that camera? I was like, yes, I very much do, please. <laughs> and is, is, that how, is that how you met him? Yeah, well, I met him. Yeah, I met him. We were filming the same scene, which Holy was like cow. rehearsal for for Montreux, my dad and Justin. And um, because Justin became my dad's artist through Clark, he met through my dad came to see Clark when he was sick, and Al met 
my dad there. I just met my dad there. And then he was like, I want to sign you. And so this, the kind of finale of his movie is like Justin performing at the jazz festival with my dad. And like the first scene in my movie is like my dad at the jazz festival, like working too hard. <laughs> That's amazing. That. And that is yeah. a great technique to snag a collaborator. Like totally. I'm going to find out what Greta Gerwig is shooting and then show up with a camera and be like, Oh, I'm also shooting this. But <laughs> oh, that's so weird. Do you know how this lens cap works? <laughs> line up, line up. That's so great. Well, you, you know, you're so accomplished and you're, you're so young. I mean, you just, you're so, you're very versatile. You've done a lot of different things. You wrote the, that movie. I'll never forget. We went to the screening of it. Celeste and Jesse. Oh yeah. Uh, for, forever. Is yeah. Celeste mm-hmm. and Jesse forever. It's so good. And we went to the screening of that and I was like, wait, what? She wrote it and she's in it. And it's so great. And you're, you're really got a lot Thanks. of talents that was Thanks, a, y'all. that was andy samberg's big break andy samberg's big break yeah nobody <laughs> knew who he was before that that was his that was a little bit of a dramatic turn for andy yeah i love Which that people cr- like that who are so good at doing oh my more god dramatic stuff it. it happens he came all the to time play man yeah. oh my god like he really we've been friends for years and he was so like right for that part and that 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 relationship is actually like our friendship is very much like that was, mm-hmm. he brought so much of that to it but when we had like our fight scenes we had to break it down i was like damn like i he really really blew me away wow yeah yeah that's um so many people who are really funny like molly shannon also is oh, great she's at so dramatic great. stuff and so moving sandler breaking sandler, sandler yeah oh, man so many people jim like carrey Yes, yeah. yeah. Eternal sunshine. Yeah, and I feel Best. like a lot of times with um, people like that, uh, uh, not always, but uh, Adam Sandler in particular, I feel like he he rarely does it, but when he does, it's oh, so man. incredible. And I'm like, I why know. don't you do that all the time? Because <laughs> comedy's sad, and I think like I think it's easier to process sadness through comedy because at mm-hmm. least you're like you're giving yourself a break. If you process sadness through sadness all the time, I think it's probably self perpetuating, and you're a little sad all the time. I can't yeah. imagine like my friends who are dramatic actors solely. I remember my friend telling me the story about doing a play and she like got assaulted in the play every night. And every day at like four 30, her stomach would start to like rumble uh, in anticipation mm. for what was going to happen because she has to, she has to deliver. She has to make it real for herself mm. to like make that moment real for everybody else. And that's so hard on your body. That's Actually, crazy. I, I saw, um, she's so lovely. Mary Kay. At your Mary house. Place. Yes, yeah. I mm-hmm. love her. I but she too. had this great idea about helping actors come out of roles because, you know, it's not it's not nothing. Like you kind of have to, if you're doing a certain kind of role, you have to traumatize yourself yes. to get there. Like you gotta there's gotta be some sort of rehab to get out of that. And what was her idea? Just to have like some sort of like methodology or like curriculum to like help actors like as much oh, as you have yeah, acting class yeah. to get into mm-hmm. a part uh-huh. like something to help you get out of totally. it yeah yeah oh i see what so you're saying cool. i thought she i thought she, she had a specific thing in mind but that's a great idea yeah yeah it's it's so you know laurie anderson uh has has a similar idea about soldiers like we we in the same way we go to all the trouble to to prepare ourselves to either you know 
perform acts like this on stage or on screen or, or to kill people in war in the case of the soldiers. But, but then we dispo- then we're like, okay, we're done with you. Like why she, Lori's idea was why don't we then train this back out of the soldiers so that they can mm. just be human beings again when they come back. I bet it has something to do with money. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the oh. disregard for veterans in this country is, oh my is appalling. Did, did you guys see that um, Netflix series Five Came Back that was based on the book? I'm, I've, oh. I've written down like 16 things you've said it's so far. It's so good. It's about the five directors that were recruited by the Department of War to, um, to, to both document World War II and also make films to kind of support the, the – Country, collective morale of the country. Oh, yeah. So they they recruited it, the best filmmakers of the time: Capra, William Wyler, John Ford, John Huston. Um, oh, it's the last one. Why can't I remember right now? And a fifth. And a fifth. But um, <laughs> and and these are these are the guys that gave us the footage that we see from D Day, from the freeing of the camps, Dachau. Like that that came from our best filmmakers of the time, wow. and they went to war they saw like the most gruesome things and it changed their whole relationship with their art but i think it was john i think it was john houston there was a really incredible like footage from that of a film he made about soldiers after the war and the the war department wouldn't release it because it was too real and they didn't want to discourage people from joining the army but like obviously, you know, what, what happened, the horrors that they saw, like it can't be reversed at all. And he, he wanted, he felt responsibility after going and seeing that to like show the soldiers and what they'd been through. And, you know, we weren't having it. So, Mm, so good. There's a great book of, um, short stories by Phil Clay called redeployment. It's one of my favorite books and it's all Phil Clay. Uh huh. K. L A Y, and it's um it's all about you know uh, various. It's mostly around the Iraqi War, I think. Um, mm. Various soldiers and you know loosely connected short stories. It's really wonderful, but it it's, it's brutal too. You know, mm. yeah, I, yeah. The reality of what it really is like. You know, yeah, yeah. Um. So, are you working on any? Are you writing at all right now? I'm writing some stuff. Um, yeah, I'm writing some stuff. I I I did some acting this past year, mm-hmm. and I have some stuff coming is, out. Yeah, is that um, Black AF? Yeah, it's a great it time. Really you got a captive audience. I know, I know. <laughs> held 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 captive. Um, yeah, and then I did a movie with Sofia Coppola that comes out later in the year. Oh, Not sure when. Yeah, not but. a big deal. Amazing. <laughs> I did, did say you? it sort of ca- casually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, but that's the thing with you. You, you no, no. You might. Oh no, that's been, a big deal. You might have served at the mass of her baptism, like you. <laughs> <laughs> I've known I've known Sophia socially for a while, and yeah, we worked together ask. a little bit. Well, we met. We actually met. My my acting coach works with her a lot, and we met in my acting class. I workshopped Lost in Translation with her for like a month. Wow. What? Playing that Scarlett Johansson part Crazy. just to help her like work through the script and stuff, which was 
awesome. It was oh so great. God. And oh, now, okay. like, years later, we get to work together, which is great. P.S. That's thank so you cool. for your service. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, you know. <laughs> um, that is so cool. What's that movie called? It's called On the Rocks. Mm. And it's a, it's a movie about a father and a daughter, about a charming Lothario, kind of like aging Lothario father and um, his daughter, who's like kind of going through a bit of a, a slump, a creative and life slump, married with two kids. And he, they're suspicious that maybe her husband might be cheating on her. So they <gasps> like go, try to go find out. Oh, that sounds right so on. good. I love it. Yeah. Um, so, and then Black AF, uh, did you, were you instrumental in the creation of that show or was it something that came to you? Kenya Barris is the creator. Mm-hmm. Um, he created Blackish and Mixedish and Grownish mm-hmm. and produced America's Next Top Model, like so everything. Wow. Um, wrote like The New Coming to America and like he's just, he's got his hands in everything. He's, mm-hmm. He's quite a force um, and and such a funny writer, such a talented writer. And we've just known each other socially. And he was like, I want to do a show. You know, he left. He had a deal at ABC and he left. And he wanted to do a show with this new deal at Netflix about his life. So this is kind of like his Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, great. He plays I'm himself. I play it. his wife. We have six kids. We're like a dysfunctional new money you know, black, rich family that has a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the yeah. trailer for it. It looks really good. And he looks really good. He's I don't know that I really knew him before. I mean, has he done? No, he's never acted before. Oh, you're kidding. He never looks acted so before. good. Wow. He did a really good job. He's so, um, he's just so instinctively, I mean, you know, improving with him obviously is like great because he's a writer, but he's so instinctively hilarious and He's got like his this, the quality of his voice and his rhythm. He's just great. He's so good. Oh, I love that. That's so nice. I, only There's when so you said that you play shows. his wife, I said, oh, yeah, we did what you and I did White Fang together. And played oh, my couple. God. We played husband and wife. You do, I don't remember that. It was, it was an it's animated, animated version oh, of that's White why. Fang. It <laughs> was at Sundance like four or five years that. ago. Yeah. <laughs> People love that movie. It uh, turned out it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's really well done. I cried. I love it. I it's really it. sweet. Yeah, it's really good. Oh my god, I forgot. I've never it. seen it. No, uh-uh. I can't believe there's that a it- couple things of yours that I never saw. There's that what one else? that Robert. Uh, it's like based on a comic. It's like all like a lot of dudes doing oh, crazy Sin shit. City. Sin City. I never saw. <laughs> yeah, you. I never saw the movie you did with Kirsten Dunst. Um, all good things. Never saw that. Oh, I didn't see that either. But I know that's that's like the. Um, it's the Robert Durst story. The Robert Durst story made right. by the same filmmaker who made the Jinx. But here's the thing. Let's watch it Andrew now because Jarecki. it's streaming now. And when Andrew it came Jarecki, out, it wasn't super smart. But yeah. here's here's the thing, you guys. It's so great. It's so great that he had such a success with the Jinx mm. because he did a beautiful job of making a narrative feature film. Ryan Gosling plays. Robert Durst. Oh, that's crazy. Kirsten Dunst plays the his victim wife. Frank Langella plays his dad. Wow. But here's the thing. Because of the ending of the story, which we all know, but I'll just say, like, uh, I, I don't want to give a spoiler, but like. it's I think it's okay at this point. Okay, yeah. yeah. I think so, the statute of limitations is up. I mean, ba- basically, there's a murderer <laughs> in the story, and the end of the movie is 
uh, he gets away with it. The end of the oh, movie is like, right. this guy now lives in Galveston and you can, he's selling real estate. And I saw a screening of it with Kirsten when it was done. Uh, and we walked out and we were like, oh, no, this sucks because the movie's so good. Kirsten and Ryan were so good in it, but the movie made you so angry mm. that it was like, it made it terrible. It made mm. it a terrible experience where you're like, fuck you, movie. Right. How, ah, that's not how movies are supposed to work. Wow. It was so infuriating. They should reshoot the ending now. They totally should. <laughs> they totally should. Because he got his. Oh Dude, my god! I mean, like, is there is there ever a better moment than that? That <laughs> moment that he captured on film? Like how? It's crazy. And also Jarecki twice capturing the Freemans. Like he just is like yes, right, right place, oh, yeah. wrong maybe wrong place, wrong time, but whatever it is, he gets that. I mean, yeah, that's he, crazy. He, he does not like. Uh, upper middle class to affluent uh, criminals to get away with shit. Mm. He will bring you to justice <laughs> with with the right. incredibly perverse method of making a documentary about you. <laughs> like, <laughs> that you're consenting to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the, the law in this country couldn't do it. Let's make a movie. Right. Right. Um, speaking of Nick's oeuvre, have you by any chance <laughs> gotten to see uh, Devs on Yes. FX? Oh, my yes, God. Yes, I'm all Isn't caught up so and I'm like good. waiting. I it's know. so good. And I'm, I've gotten to see I'm the like, whole thing. It's really Don't good. tell me, but like, can you just like, can you, is, is there going to be like a, like, is there like a, is there like a big twist? Hmm. There, I feel like every episode has a gigantic twist. I don't. I don't know. I mean, there's a. Uh, are there any bombs that are left to drop? I'm. Cut, we're what five. Mm, there, there's sort mm. of one. Um, the, like what? And, and, and it's not a crazy bomb, but it's because you, we we begin to hint at it in the last few episodes. But so there is like uh, an unexpected final uh, plot point. Um, okay. But it's it's. I mean, it's just. Uh, it's, it's. I think I know. I think I know what you're talking about. I love seeing you as that guy, Isn't like with great? like a steely How about Nick's face. Some of those Nick's face and I mean, that hair. Oh, and that so thank good. Steely building and the green and the greenery. Like I'm just so into it. Yeah. You a, as like a billionaire, like madman, is great. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, but let's please, let's not be talking about my television program mm. on a, a podcast. It's so good, though. I want to rewatch of. the whole This thing. is pillow talk. We're in bed. All right. You know? Yeah, we could talk about Thank you. I, I, I feel so <laughs> lucky to get to work with Alex and all those collaborators. And how, I think Allison Pill is so she's amazing. She's fantastic. And Sonoya is the lead. Yeah, yeah Sonoya. She's so... I like randomly sat next to her at a dinner in Tokyo. Oh, wow. Last spring. See, and I was that's like, what this I'm is talking about. The most You're beautiful, everywhere. like smart, like cool girl she's I've ever met. Who is this girl? Yeah, yeah she's mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah, suddenly like a instant superhero. I love her. Her acting yeah. to me is unbelievable because yeah. she's there is no artifice at all, and the, yeah. her you know access to her emotions is I know crazy amazing. I know. Yeah, she's great. It's I, very. I feel cool. like that's I something could, I love you can't that show. learn. Can you no. learn that? Can you learn to burst into No, you tears? can you can unlearn so. other things to get to that, I think. Mm. Like you might have that somewhere in your being, but you have to like get rid of artifice, like chip away at it. Yeah. 
Well, Rashida, mm. you are a beautiful light. I'm loath to to wrap it up. I know Aww. this has been this Look, is a good one. It's you know I I, I um we, we had such a wonderful time working together on Parks and Rec and and White Fang and um, <laughs> great time. Uh, but so but now you're our guest on our podcast, and so I'm going to tell you from that uh, from that point of view, um, we find you astonishing. You're so accomplished. Yeah. You're. I love talking to you because you're so hip, but also so smart. Mm. So, same same thing, right? It, it's oh, uh, you guys. It's so, so nice. Th- this this is so valuable, and and we're deeply grateful to have you here in our dining room in a small computer window. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, be careful what you say because I might just call you every day. These, I these wish. Are, these are some compliments that I need. Oh, I wish. You won't hurt Wish you would. Okay, everybody. Thank you so much for bringing your ears to another installment of the beloved In Bed with Nick and Megan, specially guested by Rashida Jones. Good, Good night. night. Good night. Bed with Nick and Megan is an Earwolf production. It's produced by Megan Mullally, Kevin Bartelt, and Michael Landry. Executive produced by Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon. Music by Nancy and Beth, which can be found at www.nancyandbeth.com. If you enjoyed In Bed with Nick and Megan, make sure to rate it and review the show on Apple Podcasts. <laughs>